Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's the vibe, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Running Off the Screen. I'm the man they call Mac. And for today's episode, I have a special guest, as you can see. Most of you know him as the Podfather. I (laughs) I think of him as Professor X to the institution that is Raptors Republic. Welcome to the show, Zarar. How, How have you been? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. What an intro. What an intro. I don't think I've ever been called anything like that. But yeah, I'll, I'll take it all, man. I'll take the accolades. Give it to me. <laughs> so before we uh, get into our topics, I would like to remind all the uh, listeners, people tuning in, that there is a live pre-trade deadline show that Raptors Republic is hosting. And it will be at Rivoli, Toronto. And it's going to be Tuesday, February 7th. And any more details that you want to give the listeners? Uh, you know, you've got it at uh, 6 o'clock at uh, Rivoli, Toronto on Queen Street West. Uh, it's two days before the trade deadline. So I'm sure there's going to be lots to talk about. And uh, like all the all the RR writers and lots of readers will be there. Uh, Sam, Lewis, Katie, Oren, Andrew, a bunch of people, you know, so lots of topic. Maybe even a maybe even a couple of 905 players might show up. So uh, it's going to be a good uh, good evening of basketball talk, and we can vent, we can have some fun, we can have some drinks, we can have some food. It should be good. Uh, February seventh, it's a Tuesday night at Rivoli in Toronto. The ticket link is uh, on uh, Rappers Republic. Nice. And speaking of trade deadline, I know there's been issues with how this bench has been utilized throughout the last couple of years. But when you talk about bench issues, I want to get your perspective on this. Is it is it a coaching issue or is it a front office issue? You know, if you let's assume that it's a coaching issue for a minute. Let's just assume that that's what the problem is, that uh, these this collective group of players uh, has the solution in them. And it's just Nick Nurse that hasn't been able to extract that solution out. Uh, let's assume that's the case. Uh, but if you if you think that that is the case, then you should also be in a position to propose some solution to the problem. You can't just say it's a coaching issue and not come up with a response and say it's a coaching issue because of this. And I think this is what we should do. I find it uh, lacking. Uh, I, I haven't seen anybody propose something else to do with this lineup which says, oh, Nick Nurse has got this particular aspect of this lineup wrong. He should be doing this and that'll solve our problems. All I've heard is sort of like, um, you know, moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic where, where, where you're like, yeah, start Chris Boucher. Don't start Chris Boucher. Yeah, start Coloco. Don't start Coloco. Cam Burge. You know, it's, it's like, it's very kind of like low, mediocre value pieces being moved in and out of the starting lineup that people think as solutions. Uh, if you think the coaching is an issue, if you think the lineups are an issue, those are the types of solutions that I heard. And I, and I don't really, they're not very convincing arguments. 
uh, to me at least, that, oh, that's the problem. And I think you also have to look at sort of the sample size of the Raptors. Now. This is not, I know we're at like 38, 39 games so far. But if you look at, um, you know, the last two to three years, two years, uh, you know, maybe Tampa, we, we, we don't talk about... Um, <laughs> Maybe we disregard that. Maybe we don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't actually. I'm not of the camp that we should just disregard Tampa completely. Uh, I think Tampa ha- gives us a lot of information about the decisions the front office made, how the team played. So it's not like a write-off season where you go, "Oh, Tampa, let's just forget about it." No, Tampa happened, guys. It happened, and it's there. It's on our record books, and there's something to be learned from it. But besides Tampa, last year and this year, our Nick Nurse has tried a lot of different things in terms of lineup rotations. In fact, I'd say he's actually done more experimentation than what you would expect of a coach. A coach usually just drives his starters to death, and he hasn't really done that. I know he's accused of doing that by playing Fred Van Vliet like 34, 35 minutes a game, but he has tried to tinker with the bench and see what works, and not much really has. So that's why I don't think... Uh, this is really a coaching issue because number one, I don't have any solutions for it. And number two, he's already tried a bunch of things. And so by the process of elimination, I arrive at your second option with that. This is most likely a personnel issue than it is a, a coaching issue. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, like you were saying, Nick Nurse hasn't really been handed a group that has shown the ability to be a cohesive unit for a stretch of games. And that's why he's been able to Plug, plug in players here and there. Now, I would say one thing. I think he should have gave uh, Delano Banton, someone like him, a more of a run. Because if you're going to lose these games, I think it would be nicer to at least get some development going in real game action with your young players, as opposed to running your starters 40 minutes a game and then still losing and not really gaining anything from that. Um, but, but that wasn't your question, though. Your que- yeah, yeah. question was, is the losing... Uh, a, a coaching or a front office issue. If the goal is uh, in, in that question, I assume the goal was to actually win games. When you say give Delano Banton run, uh, you know I don't think you're striking fear into any of the other Eastern Conference teams here. Uh, you know they're like, oh, Delano Banton's getting some run. Let's play the Raptors more often. Yeah. Right? So, so uh, giving Delano Banton run is a uh, speaks to a, a, a different goal for the franchise, which is more like sort of a little bit more development oriented than uh than than I think what fans are expecting right now. That's a good point. So cuz I was trying to say like with with Delano or even like Malachi it took him a while to get in. at least we know what he is now. That's why I'm thinking the bench problems may be more coaching driven. It's it's a mix of both to be honest cuz mm-hmm. we don't have Serge Ibaka coming off the bench anymore. We don't have Norman Powell like it's obvious. Mm-hmm. But I I when I'm thinking of what the problems are coming from is there's no minutes coming off the bench. So obviously there's no production coming off the bench. So that's why I kind of wanted to see if that was an issue. Um, but another issue that we, we see the Raptors go through is free agency. And <laughs> as, as great as Masai has been with making trades and drafting, it's the total, it's on the opposite spectrum. When you talk about free agency, could you pinpoint anyone or think of anyone who was the best free agent signing in the Maasai era and why? Uh, you know, like that's like uh, the, the, best is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting uh, in this uh, in, in, in this conversation, because you're right. He hasn't had a lot of success uh, at free agency. I think 
uh, the free agency talk around Messiah has been more hype than anything. I mean, I think that the, the most excited I was for free agency was uh, when Giannis was uh, a free agent and the Raptors had maybe enough space to get him. You know, there, there was some talk that the Raptors might get him, but then he resigned pretty quickly and that was sort of the end of it. Uh, uh, other than that, if you look at his uh, free agent signings, and I'm talking about not like re-signing a guy who was already here or a guy you acquired in a trade. I'm talking like actual going out on the market and getting somebody. You're looking at a, a pretty poor resume here. And, and the best names I could find on that list are, are not glamorous by any means. Uh, like Bismack Biombo, Luis Scola kind of come to mind. Uh, you know, and then one of the most high profile free agent signings that he had was Damari Carroll, who <laughs> who did not really mesh well in Toronto. And that was after the big year he had in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And after that, the list quickly dwindles into the likes of Bembry, Matt Thomas. Uh, you know, I, I could argue, I could actually make a case that it probably is Bismack Biombo for that one year he was here. Uh, and I might say, as Horrible as it sounds, Thaddy Young might not be. <laughs> he might be in a top third or top twenty-five percent uh, free agency signings uh, by by Masai. You know, so you know, I I, I love Masai. I, I don't want him going anywhere. I I hope he resigns for the next whatever year. But his his free agency record is is not good. Yeah, we, we should also say that I, I don't think the Raptors have been in a position where they've had a lot of cap space to go and execute on big time free agents they've always sort of been uh, up against the wall and trying to re-sign their own guys so it's not like they've had the opportunity to walk into free agency with like 40 million to spend like some of these teams you see have so th- we, we should also consider that as well that's a very good point and it's it's like you said it's not easy to it's not an easy list to pick from uh but one re- one guy i really liked as a signing was ronde hollis jefferson I think as much as he didn't provide on the offensive end, I think defensively and energy-wise, he was a force for us. And he was one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA at that time. And I think I, I really hope that he was going to get like a, an extension because he ended up getting the one-year deal. And I believe um, Stanley Johnson got the two-year deal, but it was a player option on the second year. And I thought it should have been flipped the other way around. Yeah. Uh, but that's neither here or there. And if I could recall, Rondé lost his job or his opportunity because they wanted to give uh, Paul Watson extended look and uh, Bembry got brought in and then Yuda got brought in and then Rondé ended up being expendable. But I thought Rondé would have been a better guy to bring on for a longer term. And uh, to try and keep things positive. We, we don't have to keep things positive. We can just we just talk about things the way they are. I mean, they don't have to be positive or negative. They can just be the reality. It's not like you know. As I, as I, I think I was on the the, the Sportsnet show with, with Will the other day. I was like, like we don't like we're we're just fans. We're talking about things that are going on. Everybody's having fun. Nobody's getting too upset about it. We, we maybe we should talk about like why why there's a lot of I feel rage watching going on these days. But where I actually feel like there are people. Um, like wanting the Raptors to lose. Like I've actually gotten that sense from some people that there are people out there like because they want to criticize the team, they're kind of actively rooting against the team in in some cases, which which I found extremely odd because why are you even a even a fan if you're like so so hateful towards the team? And it's not like this team has like an effort problem or they're not likable or they're not you know, trying hard enough, like they're they're li- literally doing the best they can. They don't 
they don't have the personnel maybe but but this is still a fun team to watch yes there are there are moments where or not moments there are stretches and there are games where it's like oh my god you know like the orlando you know double that we lost like the, that that oh. kind of wanted me to just you know pull my hair out but overall this is not a terrible team to watch i find i think they play okay basketball it's a bit iso heavy but the players are likable they play hard uh you know you know we are in an experiment like masai has stated several times we're doing the 6-9 experiment or whatever and somehow people have people think that an experiment always has to be successful it's not mm. an experiment has a hypothesis and then you test that hypothesis and then you either that hypothesis either fails or it or, or it holds true and based on that you make more decisions so just because we entered a 6-9 experiment for the, for this year and the last year does not necessarily mean that it's going to work and it may not work that th- that is not a failure on the franchise that is a legit attempt by the franchise to do something different they may fail at it but we shouldn't hold that hold them um we, we, like we shouldn't like we shouldn't hold it against them for failure we should give them first and for kudos for trying something mm-hmm. now if they stick with it for too long that's a different story <laughs> yeah but, we're we're only like year 2 of the retool, the retool i guess right yeah and so and, and people who like want to blow stuff up and do tank like like do you have any options or are you just talking for the sake of talking do you actually have solutions that work beyond just the trade machine very good point because i think we're a little bit spoiled all that success we've seen in the last few years one little uh, hint of adversity we just want to give up and it's 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 hilarious to see the fan base and how toxic it is on twitter like after a win we're all dancing and holding hands and after a loss we're all looking at tank tankathon.com and draft and saying oh Wemby or scoot henderson and uh, yeah that's 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 the that's the lifestyle of a Toronto Raptors fan base. I guess around the NBA is similar. I, I wouldn't know because I'm a Raptors fan. But if, if you're looking at the 6-9 experiment, are there some things that you think are working this year that you like like going on this season so, so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, in stretches for sure. I mean, the most recent example is the Portland game. Uh, I think when Portland was making that run in the fourth quarter, you know, that lead went down from like uh, 15 to 10 to 7 to 5 to 3. And you're like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's about <laughs> to blow up again. And then you saw the Raptors, uh, Scotty Barnes in particular, and uh, Gary Trent Jr. You know, play the passing lanes the way this that we all thought this team was able to play the passing lanes. I think they got like two or three turnovers when the when the score was three or there was a three or five point lead and they ran it back for some points. And you could genuinely see the Portland Trailblazers surprised at the passes being picked off because they've made those passes like Lillard driving in and kicking out to the wing. They make those passes with other teams and and they and they they execute there, but against the Raptors and their kind of anticipatory length and all that. They didn't work. So, yeah, there are, there are things that are definitely working about the 6-9. I don't think we should be uh, too uh, too negative about that. There are things that are working. But as a, as a whole, you know, season-long strategy, things are not working. We should also be honest about that. But And, and, and I do think it's... It's I, I I don't necessarily of the opinion that we should throw out the roster or, like, trade everybody or, or anything like that. Uh I see a basketball problem on the court. I, I see 
lack of a center. I see lack of three-point shooting being the problem rather than uh, like a take like Pascal Siakam is not a number one player or Fred Van Vliet is garbage. Like those are th- th- those are very reactionary and kind of maybe cathartic takes that make you feel better about and make you make, make your rage kind of goes out of your body and you feel a little bit better momentarily. Uh, but I, I, I see more basketball problems that are solvable through some personnel tweaks rather than kind of blowing everything up. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I totally agree with that. It's 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 glaring, and I think we we're in a good spot when you really think about it. Uh, we have a young guard with uh, Gary Trent Jr. coming into extension. Now, I hear a lot of people saying that he should be traded. But in my mind, I'm like, well, what are we going to trade him for? Are we going to trade him for another guy who's 23 years old, who's a guard? Like, why is why not just keep him and, and build through the, through this hardship that we're going through right now? And it's not even really that much of a hardship, because if you look at that middle of the East, we're like five games from sixth, right? And yeah. we're a couple games from the play-in, and we're one stretch or a couple stretches uh, away from being a competitive team again. And I, like you said, with those like fine-tuning around the edges, getting maybe another center in there, maybe get another guard if you want to, we'll be right back in the mix and everyone will be celebrating about it. Now, <clears throat> where, where I think that the 6-9 experiment may not have worked is that I feel that this team they have a lot a lot of similar guys who can defend on the wings. But I feel like they all had similar weaknesses, right? And one weakness I think that I've seen was more or less the toughness on the defensive boards. Do you think, as a coach, you could teach toughness to a player? Uh, so, you know, you could be super tough and not get defensive rebounds. The, 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 I, I think the, we, we shouldn't conflate uh, toughness with the ability to rebound. I think, yeah, there's probably some correlation there, uh, but I, I don't think we have the personnel to rebound. N- not, we, we, I don't think it's, a, I don't think we're not rebounding because we're not tough enough. I think we're rebounding because we don't have the personnel to rebound. Uh, when you put uh, a, 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 I don't know what Chris Boucher weighs, but he looks pretty slender out there. Uh, he, most centers put him on his back and the way Chris Boucher gets rebound is he kind of, he has to time his rebounds perfectly to, or he has to use his length to kind of go and tip it back to him. He's not going to muscle uh, another guy out for a rebound. So he has to almost like get it perfect to get good rebounds or, or to get rebounds that he shouldn't be getting. So Chris Boucher is a tough guy. And I, I can tell you that for a fact, like based on whatever little insider knowledge that I have of the Raptors, Chris Boucher is a tough mofo. There's no doubt about that. So... He's not. He's not. He's not. Not getting rebounds because he's not tough enough. That's for sure. We have a personnel issue. That's that's a different issue. Now you ask the question: Can you teach toughness? I actually, by profession, I'm actually a coach uh, for for uh, for software development teams. So I know a little bit about coaching more than most people do. You can you can directly teach toughness, 
but you can introduce a culture where players play hard and don't back down. And I don't think we have to look too further back in our history to see examples of that. I think Dwayne Casey is a perfect example of a guy who came in and really did introduce a culture change here. Like, I know we make fun of him because he had a giant rock in the locker room, which is now somewhere in Scarborough. Like, somebody got it for like $14 on Kijiji. <laughs> it's like lying in their backyard. I don't know what happened to the rock, okay? But, you know, so, so Dwayne Casey was not without his quirks, right? But he did introduce a culture change, which resulted in the Raptors playing really hard defense and, and, and expending effort and not backing down. Dwayne Casey had other issues with his with his lineups and all that, which are not really worth getting into. But he was a guy who introduced a culture which yielded a a, a tough uh, a toughness in his players. Now, did he go up to them and said, "Hey, man, you got to be tough"? No, he set some parameters on how you should be, what the expectations are when you when you walk into the locker room, and that in turn yielded things like toughness and grit and effort and all the other things. So yes, you can definitely coach your way into toughness, but you can't really directly coach toughness. That's very interesting. So at the end of the day, it's just a personnel uh, issue, like you said. So if if the season did go on the way it's been going, like we're under 500 out of the playoffs, are you under the the thought process of, okay, let's just continue with the finer tweaks, or do you want to do a complete rebuild? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I kind of laugh at this complete rebuild. Like, how spoiled are we? Like, w- like what is our... Uh, like, it's, it's like we're children. Like, we don't get what we want and we throw a tantrum. Like, th- that's the that's the attitude that I find of fans. Like, ooh, we did, we're not a 60-win team. Blow it all up because I didn't get exactly what I wanted. It's like a, maybe it speaks to... The the, the the generation that's following the, 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 the team right now. But no, I, I don't think we should be blowing anything up. Yeah, maybe we should trade uh, Fred if, if he's not a good fit based on his interview with uh, uh, with uh, JJ Redick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, ca- I came out of the impression that he wants to be a, a more central figure. And he's he, he's forced to get his offense in not the ideal way that he would like to get it. So maybe Fred is not a great fit. Um, maybe, right? I, I, I don't 100% know. So maybe he's a he's a guy you can move to, to to fill in some other weaknesses. But those are the ki- kinds of tweaks that I that I'm talking about. I don't think we need to like trade Pascal or trade Fred or or do anything. I think we need we need, need to make a couple of moves. Maybe we have to part with OG. But if we part with OG, we should be getting somebody who's like, you know, ready to play now, not like a guy who five years down the road. And, and sorry, to go back to Fred a, a, a little bit. His explanation, by the way, made complete sense to me. Uh, I, I don't think uh, he said anything that was um, that, that, that 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 didn't make sense to me. His, his, his idea basically was, listen, I still may be getting I, I still may be taking eight threes a game, but there are different types of eight threes. There, mm. there are eight threes that, uh, as a spot-up shooter, the eight threes you get are different than the threes you get as a ball handler who's more actively involved in the offense. So I can totally buy the argument that you can take the same amount of shots a game and have a lower percentage because those shots are coming from a different way. And if you play even like beer league basketball, just pick up basketball three-on-three at your local gym with your buddies you know, or, or any sort of organized or unorganized basketball, that should resonate to you. And if you don't really understand that perspective from Fred Van Vliet, then I would argue that you should pick up a basketball and play some play some games. 
exactly. And, and I agree with you. It doesn't make sense to do this rebuild that I keep seeing out there in the, I guess, social networks. And I agree. I want, I want us to retool. Um, if there is an odd man out again, I think Fred would be the odd man out because of what he wants for his career, for his like business wise. He, he, he maybe want to go to a bigger market, get bigger money. Who's going to give him that? I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you made, you made excellent points. Is there anything else that you want to uh, add? On, on Fred? I know. I, I, I think he's, I think he's at the age where he has one big contract in him. I think he, there was a report that came out uh, yesterday or a couple days ago. I don't know where he said, yeah, there was no formal offer being made. Of course, there's no formal offer being made. You never make a formal offer until you verbally agree with something. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the earlier report by whichever reporter reported it was not true. Uh, you know, like if I like if, if if I'm selling this phone on Kijiji, you know, I, I'm not making formal offers in written documents. I'm like setting bank drafts. I'm like, hey, man, is 200 bucks OK? And then we kind of do the deal on Interact. It's same happens in a deal like is, is 40 million OK? And then you do the paperwork. So, yes, just because no formal offer was made does not mean that the, that the reports were untrue. And, you know, you know, Fred's whole thing is this bet on himself. So, you know, he may, maybe he, uh, I don't know, maybe he rolled the dice when he shouldn't have. I guess time will tell. That's a good point. So how do you how do you feel the season's going to go? Do you think we're going to end up fighting through this and making the playoffs? Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult question, man. Uh, you know, I, I do think this team is better than its record. My my question is: If you make the playoffs, what does does that really like? What does that really mean? I mean, uh, beyond having a, a you know a playoff series in Toronto, which is always fun. Um, regardless of if we make the playoffs or not, I do think we need to make a move at the deadline to 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 fix this roster and the imbalance that exists on this roster with the amount of uh, with the lack of playmaking that ex- lack of ball handling that exists from the guard spots. The lack of ball handling and scoring that exists off the bench, uh, you know, Malachi Flynn, God bless him, like he's he's doing better. But we we, we need an upgrade at that position. Uh, Siakam, I think, is burdened with way too much of a of a load in terms of creativity, ball handling, scoring. Uh, you know, I, I'm probably like I, I probably have a slightly lower kind of overall projection of Siakam than most people. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but, but I think we ask too much of him sometimes, uh, honestly. I, I think we're expecting way too much of him sometimes. I mean, yeah. I think we're asking a lot of our like top four guys, to be honest. And uh, it's it's really hitting us. And I think that's it for today. I, I, I think we've breezed through a bunch of these <laughs> these topics. Uh, did, anything else you wanted to plug um, for the next few events coming up for Raptors Republic? No, I got nothing to plug, man. I just come to Raptors Republic, check out. I mean, you know, the, I, I just ask, like... When the team is going south, by the way, this is not a bad team. Like if you, if fans think this is a bad team, either they have they're they're kind of newer fans, or they just have very poor memory of what this franchise has been through. So if you are like raging these days because this team isn't living up to your expectations, just just go look at Basketball Reference, look at some previous teams that existed, and compare this roster to what had. And maybe you'll be a little bit more thankful for what you currently have on this team than trying to freaking trade everybody and blow up the roster and tank this and tank that. Like, go go pick up a history book. <laughs> I 
I think that's a perfect way to end the episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, Zarar. And uh, for everybody else watching, remember to like, subscribe, and raise the vibe. Peace.